Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to this special service to remember the lives of our brother Marion, better known to most of you as Pat. As senior pastor of the Holy Christ Church of the Unrepentant Sinner, it is my privilege to start this memorial service off with our very special guest choir, the Munchkins. It's the Gay BC Happy Hour with Richie, Chick, and Johnny. Fellas. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural edition of the Happy Hour. Uh, we don't normally dance on the graves of the recently deceased, but this is a special occasion. Uh, we opened up this episode um, with an acknowledgement of the passing of the late and not-so-great Pat Robertson. Indeed, uh, how's it? How's it going, uh, John and Chick? Well, I'm I'm thrilled that we finally get to throw a little dirt on this particular grave, and I agree with you, Richie. I don't think that we should necessarily be dancing on people's graves, no matter how evil they are. But Pat Robertson had a special degree of evility, not just with the LGBTQ community, but with a lot of people. Everyone on the left, women were certainly not regarded all that highly by him. You know, he even recently whisked away criticism of somebody who was a cheater and told a woman that she shouldn't leave him after 11 years. I heard on a, on a not-so-long-ago broadcast of his 700 Club, and we'll have some great clips to share from him today. Yeah, and let's not forget that um, not only did he uh, blame 9-11 on the gays, um, but he also said things like um, the people of Haiti uh, deserved the earthquake in 2010 because they because Haiti had made, quote, a pact with the devil and was cursed. Um, so he really ran the gamut of people who he had a program for, um, from gays to women to just Haitians, full stop. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, R.I. something. Indeed. Hey, Chick, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing good, and y'all? Great. So I think it is, I mean, I think, you know, we usually like to start the show um, when we've done our little rehearsals. Uh, this is the first official episode, but um, we like to sort of talk about kind of the big, the big gay news of the week. And I think that um, obviously uh, Pat Robertson is definitely up there. Um, R- Richie, you made reference to his blame for things like 9-11 on the gays. There was a particularly onerous broadcast that happened three days after that tragic event or series of events in Washington, New York, and Pennsylvania. And he took to the airwaves uh, inviting his old buddy from up the road, uh, Mm -hmm. Jerry Falwell, onto a program, uh, and they spoke together. And here's a clip from that. This is the first time that we've been attacked on our soil, first time, and by far, 
the worst results. And I fear, as Donald Rumsfeld, the Secretary of Defense, said yesterday, that this is only the beginning, and with biological warfare available to these monsters, the Husseins, the Bin Ladens, the, uh, the, the Arafats, uh, what we saw on Tuesday, as terrible as it is, could be minuscule if, in fact, if, in fact, God continues to lift the curtain and allow the enemies of America to give us probably what we deserve. Well, Jerry, that's my feeling. I think we've just seen the, the antechamber to terror. We haven't even begun to see what they can do to the major population. I mean, you know, the, ACLU, uh, the ACLU's got to take a lot of blame for this. Oh, yeah. And I know I'll hear from them for this, but uh, throwing God off successfully with the help of the federal court system, yes. throwing God out of the public square, out of the schools, uh, the abortionists have got to bear some burden for this because Come on, uh, who God else, will not Jerry? be mocked. And when we destroy 40 million little innocent babies, oh, we make no. God mad. I, I really believe that the pagans and the abortionists and the feminists and the gays and the lesbians who are actively trying to make that Ooh, an alternative lifestyle, the, the ACLU, People for the American Way, all of them who tried to secularize America, I point the thing in their face and say, you helped this happen. Well, I, I totally concur. You sure do, Pat. He concurs, Richie and Chick. <laughs> I mean, the the amount of mental gymnastics it takes to go from um, an, a, a 9-11 attack to talking about um, abortionists and feminism. It's it's I mean, the thing is, that was their that was their M.O., though, was kind of cr this sort of crabbed view of the world where anything bad that happened was kind of a result of this amorphous, you know, kind of cultural nemesis. Yeah. Um, and here's, and here's a couple of my absolute favorite moments uh, out of many, many, many that were grabbed from the 700 Club. What you're saying is, yes, I, I like this kind of thing. You've got a yes, couple of uh, same-sex guys kissing. You like that? Well, that makes me want to throw up. But if you think you punch, <laughs> to me, I would punch vomit, not lie. <laughs> oh, no, not punching vomit. How about this one from San Francisco? This is this is my. What they're doing, uh, San Francisco? Some of the gay community that they, they want to get people. So if they've got the stuff, they'll have a ring. You shake hands, and the ring's got a little thing where you cut your finger. Really? Yeah, really. I mean, it's that kind of vicious stuff, which would be the equivalent of murder. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, I'd, I'd, for that one, go for back to one, your church. For this one, churches involved. Yeah, I go think back to your church. Yeah. You're fine. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and by that stuff, he was referring to HIV. The stuff was HIV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, of course, you know, the gays are all wearing these rings to make each other or other people bleed when they shake their hand and pass right. pass the gift right it's like an aids joy buzzer yeah right um of course of course that was that was a real story i mean the thing is is i remember you know sometimes you would just like tune through cable and come across the 700 club and the fact that this doddering fool um managed to be extremely influential for decades is honestly so baffling to me you know, um, I had a very close relationship with uh, with Robertson. Um, my maternal grandfather, um, bless his soul, he sent checks to him on a regular basis. <laughs> mm -hmm. He watched him daily 
that 700 club trash every single day. And I love my grandfather and he loved me. Um, but what I loved the most was that my grandfather in his later years had this girlfriend. Um, her name was Eleanor and Eleanor was kind of with me on this whole thing. And so she would handle taking a lot of his mail to the post office and she couldn't get away with all of it, but she would do it strategically as she's sending these televangelists, these checks that my grandfather was tithing with. She would conveniently misplace some of the checks to the 700 Club and to some <laughs> of these other people, and they might have just gotten shredded, um, nice. which, which was nice. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I saw it myself and somebody who I cared about a great deal and how sucked in they were by this guy and just knowing the kind of crap that he was feeding into people's minds i mean sometimes i'd get stuck myself sitting there if i went by it on the channel or you know by that channel on my tv set i'd have to sit there and just keep watching it because it was so unbelievable to me that people could sit on television and say this stuff to millions of people and not be held accountable for it. And, and the thing I always found interesting um, when I happened across the 700 Club, I mean, for one thing, he was kind of like this gay Stradamus. He was always pontificating about what is going to happen, bad things are going to happen next because of gayness. Right. Um, but um, the, he, he often had a kind of young, um, supine woman who was a co-host who would just basically be there to kind of literally say yes and parrot back what he said. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that was somehow their way of, like, staying relevant, you know, because he literally looked like a corpse. Right. Um, but, you know, he'd have some kind of young blonde woman who, you know, he would say the... He could say anything. Uh, you know, he could say, well, you know, uh, you know, I think that uh, that because of the gays, um, you know, the... Uh, you, Yosemite is gonna is gonna explode, and she'd be like, "Well, yes, yes, of course, yeah, absolutely." Like, it was such a weird dynamic of a show, but it, it, you're right. There was something about it that you almost fall into its cadence because it's so lullingly weird. And um, but sadly, you, we won't have it anymore. I don't so. know if you remember, but in 1988, he was a candidate for president of the United States. <laughs> And oh. he had to drop out because something was about to come out and bite him in the ass. It turns out that uh, his youngest child, his daughter, that she was born, well, she was conceived out of wedlock. Oh, dear. Yeah, and the nine-month count back uh, and the date of when he and the fine Mrs. Robertson, uh, you know, made their nuptials official. Uh, it didn't all add up. And that information, almost ready to be released, was the reason that he had to drop out of the race because, of course, that made him exactly what he is, which is a lifelong hypocrite. But the other thing I thought was really very amusing uh, about our friend Pat was that when he sold the television network, the cable television network, that ABC would come to buy and create as the ABC Family Network, he right. forced them to have to continue to carry the 700 Club for as long as he was around. 
And, I mean, I can't believe that Mickey Mouse made that deal with the devil, but it happened. And oh, you know that you know there is some executive at ABC Family today who is literally like dancing to Kylie Minogue in their office, being like, "Finally, <laughs> we have those hours back." You know, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Well, I, I I'm sorry to see anybody die, but in this case, I'm not sorry to see a problem that he created in Spades die, and and at least he'll no longer be able to have that kind of influence he and his friends Ralph Reed with the what was called the moral majority um, and all of, of that nonsense that uh, you know that just flooded us and it was one it was weird to see one other thing as I went back and I looked at a few of the news stories that were done among the many thousands of them that proliferated uh, around the World Wide Web in this past week after his passing um, but if it's almost scary to go and look and see how similar he looks in his younger years to George W. Bush. Oh wow. They look like they could like they could be related. Hmm. Maybe they were. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's why uh maybe W 20th. was so in the thrall of Pat Robertson because he saw um, you know, a little glimpse of his future in there. Yeah, a little twenty three and me, uh magic and maybe we might find out that uh barbara and george had another son <laughs> um but yeah so that was that was a definitely a big story this week um and it is interesting you know i think uh just when you google pat robertson's death um he's already not being viewed very kindly by mainstream history <laughs> you know because he he was so outsized in his in his anti-woman anti-gay anti everyone sort of crusade um that there are plenty of and he was on the he was on tv so much there's just so much so much to go on for people to just be like oh that guy right 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 but um well, I, yes. I want to invite people, if, if they have a interest in jumping into this conversation, maybe sharing their own thoughts, uh, we welcome members of our audience to give us a ring at uh, area code 760-677-0111. That's 760-677-0111, and you'll be connected to our studios, and we'd love to hear from you and get you on the program as well. Thank you for being along with us on this very first official version of the GBC Happy Hour from Mutual. Absolutely, um, yeah. No, and, and it would be great uh, to have people if you wanna if you wanna call in and talk about. I mean, I feel like we've all had that like moment hanging out with with grandpa and grandma where the 700 club is on <laughs> so if you if you want to share your remembrances positive or negative and it, you know and if you happen to be someone listening to the gbc happy hour who you know had a a fond relationship at some point with pat robertson that's okay too we'd love to hear it but um come on in yeah. uh <laughs> absolutely we'd love to hear from you and so I think uh, with that, we will come back and keep talking about the events of the week.
The Happy Hour on Gay BC. No agenda, except for that gay one. Welcome back to the happy hour. Welcome back. So, you know, this whole um, Pat Robertson death is happening during a particular month of the year, one that we call Pride. So one of the things that um, if people would like to call in and talk about their Pride plans, we would love to hear uh, what you're up to. What's happening in your neck of the woods? Are you traveling for Pride? Are you staying local? Um, I, for one, am going to be going to Toronto um, for Pride this year, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, it's coming up in just a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, like like not next week, but the week after. Right. I think this weekend that they're celebrating in West Hollyweird, and uh, <laughs> there's certainly events going on in different cities every weekend in the month of June, and some in July and August as well. I know that um, here in Palm Springs, we're the very last to celebrate it. And I think that that has a lot more to do with the fact that our weather doesn't calm down from its excessive <laughs> heat usually until the uh, latter part of October. So ours is the first weekend in November marking kind of, I think Long Beach marks the, the beginning of the Pride season uh, in May and Palm Springs in uh, November, but most of them celebrate, of course, in the month of June because the last Sunday in June uh, is recognized as the the launch of the modern gay rights movement as a re- result of what happened at, uh, at the uh, bar in New York uh, back in 1969. At, and uh, uh, the Stonewall Inn was, I guess, Really, some people say that that was not the the or, origin point of of this movement. That there were actually things like what happened in Philadelphia with the Mattachine Society and and other things that that marked that movement. But I think that that is a date that everybody has kind of come to accept now, uh, for the most part, as being the start of celebrating quote-unquote gay pride right and there's actually there's an interesting story in the times recently um i think it was published uh this on the on june 5th um that there is a story that actually um in 1959 there was a so-called donut riot in los angeles where uh, some drag queens and gays uh, threw a bunch of coffee and donuts in a donut shop at the cops. Um, but the story, <laughs> and the story was really interesting because um, it was there was a, a a donut chain at the time called Cooper's Donuts, and apparently there are, it still exists um, in some capacity. But um, they've kind of embraced the story and been like, "Yes, we we are a part of you know." LGBTQ history, but it seems like there are a lot of holes, uh, no pun intended, in this narrative. Um, or were they donut it's unclear, holes? Exactly. It's unclear whether this actually happened, whether it happened at a Cooper's Donut. Um, so there's a, you know, there's a lot of um, 
mystery around it. But I think um, Stonewall certainly uh, was well documented and definitely happened. So I think um, it's safe to peg, you know. Kind of Oops, I think we lost Richie there. Uh, still a few uh, technical bugs to to work out. Uh, that's what happens, I guess, when you live somewhat off the grid. Uh, as he did, does. I did I drop off for a moment? Yeah, we lost you there for a second. But as you were saying about the uh, the donuts, yeah. So so it seems that something may have happened, but no one's clear. And so uh, you know, it it was a, a, a decade before Stonewall. But um, you know, I think we're safe to just peg um, Stonewall as kind of the the signal moment, right? Where are you celebrating Pride this year? Seven six zero six seven seven zero one one one. Or how do you celebrate it? Or do you celebrate it? Or are you tired of it? Do you think that we are post Pride? A lot of people, I think, thought that that's where we were headed, but then came along a whole new series of threats from the Supreme Court and from the. Uh, previous occupant of the White House, and certainly there is a huge swath of people, millions of people in America, who have felt emboldened by those that we're talking about to be able to act out of hate again. And I think that there's more need now than ever to have us be out on the front lines and fighting for our place in society. It's a really good, I mean, it's really true. And the thing is, like, I, my thoughts on, on pride have, are kind of like, have kind of shifted really quickly because I'm, I've long been someone who's been really against the kind of corporatization of pride, the kind of co-opting of pride by companies. Um, it seems, you know, it seemed to me kind of a little bit glib, a little bit kind of, um, I don't know, just, just, it didn't, it, it felt like, like sort of a capitalist co-option of pride as a movement, which I think has, you know, a lot of roots in kind of solidarity. But the thing is, um, you know, when you see like what's happening at Target, you know, there is actually quite a need for, uh, for us all to kind of be out there and stand up because there are people who, if they see a gay shirt at a store, they're triggered enough to go wild. So we kind of need to be out there. We sure do. Uh, and it is uh, now coming up on the bottom of the hour and a look at news with Chick Maxson and Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Mack. And we are looking for your phone calls at 760-677-0111. If you want to participate, we'll continue our conversations about Pride, about Pat Robertson, and next, about baseball. Stay with us. Wait, 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 wait. First is the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being invited, then disinvited, then reinvited, and then after being reinvited, inviting 
the Christian faith to come to Dodger Stadium for their own night. And then there's a situation up in the Boston Red Sox farm team organization where you have a pitcher who had some things to say that were fairly unflattering about LGBTQ people. Um, I thought we were past this kind of bigotry in professional sports and that we had all learned how to grow up. I'm Johnny Mack. I'm here with my friends Chick Maxson and Richie Roy, and thank you for being with us on the GBC Happy Hour. Now, what do you think about this, Chick? I mean, is are we I, expecting too much? Um, no, I, I think that as far as baseball goes, I think that for a long time there has been um, a very homophobic, a, a very homophobic sentiment throughout players and throughout the league itself. While the teams themselves, whether it be the Dodgers or the Giants or the Braves or any the 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 Guardians, anybody, I think that they are. It's very hard for them to accept the, uh, like the fact that they have gay players. Here's the problem that I really have with that. Of all the sports, of all the professional sports, you would think that being that the major instruments of this game are bats and balls, that people would understand. Of course, there's going to be an attraction. To gay people. <laughs> you know, the thing though is like this goes to a, a broader issue for me. Um, and, you know, uh, it's my own uh, unpopular take. But like, but if you go back, I mean, if you look at sort of the like each sport kind of has a culture, right? But if you look at, at you, if you look at Major League Baseball, I mean, go back to remember John Rocker and his statement on the seven train about immigrants. I mean, there's a there's a and then you know you have this this guy you know in the Worcester farm team um, and then you you know you, you similarly you have uh, someone uh, Anthony Bass of the T- Toronto Blue Jays um, you know who made some a tweet um, there's just this is is there no one at Major League Baseball telling folks um, shut your mouth and play this game because. Because we don't want to hear what you have to say. Because what you have to say is often really odious. Yeah, what we need. Unfortunately, unfortunately there isn't. Because there was also the uh, the announcer last year, um, Brenneman, who was who was caught on a hot mic. Um, he said the word "faggot" during a, a a Cleveland Reds game, and he has since resigned. In that, also because of that, he also had to leave his job from. A, uh, NFL um, mm-hmm. sh- broadcasting. Happen. Yeah, <laughs> we had this conversation offline a few days ago about what role do these teams play and uh, what right do these players have to be part of something that is, in essence, supported by the general public in you know in a substantial way by the buying of the tickets, by the watching of the TV broadcasts of these games, which put tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars into their pockets. 
And and do they have a right once they have crossed that line? Should they be allowed to see the light, to um, express remorse and to save their jobs? Are they entitled to redemption for doing these things? Um, especially when you realize that there is such a culture of this that it makes one wonder if somebody will only say something because they got in trouble. And then you start hearing for, from uh, community and political leaders, you know, who say, well, you know, taking it out on people for expressing their opinion or for, you know, uh, saying something is against their faith, you know, that's just another the problem of the woke. Well, no, I, I think that people have a responsibility to be held accountable as well. And if there's not any consequences, how are we going to change things? If, if your opinion is hatred, then they're... You're entitled and, to that. I mean, that's... I mean, okay, yes. But if your opinion is hatred and you're getting paid millions of dollars by pretty much from what would be fan you know, fans of yourself... Do all your fans agree with that? No, they don't. But they buy merchandise. They buy, they buy tickets. They buy. I mean, even just stuff at a concession stand at the at the stadium that costs a beer that costs ten, you know, ten fifteen dollars. Yeah, it still goes back month. in their pocket. I mean, if your fans don't agree with that, then why should you still be allowed to have that opinion? If you still have that opinion, that's fine. Whatever. But when you're getting paid by a lot of people that don't have that same opinion as you, then I think it should be perfectly fine that you get canceled over it. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think part of it is, um, you know, there's public opinion and there's private opinion. I mean, when you're a public figure um, and you're making public statements the way we deal with that is in the public and that deals that has to do with basically public punishment. Um, you know, if, if the same person, um, you know, like some, you know, the, the person in the, in the Worcester farm team, you know, was at dinner with someone and espoused the same thing, you would deal with that in a one-to-one -one conversation because that's a private discussion of opinion. Right. But when you're out there kind of, and you know, I actually, I want to pull the quote up because I think it, it, it actually sort of, it's, it, the wording matters a little bit here. He said, he tweeted, quote, this homosexuals, about? this is Dermo, Matt Dermody of the Worcester okay. farm team from the, yeah. He said, homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will go to hell. This is not my opinion, but the hashtag truth. Read 1 Corinthians 6, 9. So no one asked him for this. Um, He's a public figure. He, and again, it's just talking about like just being s savvy. Like you're in the Worcester farm team. You want to get called up into the majors. Do you think this is a good move for you? Like uh, just setting aside that sort of bad judgment there. Um, it's 2021. I mean, first of all, homosexuals, I mean, just cringe. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, but this is not my opinion, but the hashtag truth. So, so this is, is he evangelizing? Is that what it just he we don't go to him for his 
opinions on religious truth. He's not paid for that. He's paid to do his baseball job. Um, and I think if you're distracting from the baseball job, well, it's too bad, so sad. Yeah. Yep. You have to have some responsibility for what comes out of your mouth, and there has to be repercussions, I think, um, if you're truly going to change the behavior of people in this world. And I think that those ball clubs have a responsibility to think about, um, you know, their public responsibility and also uh, the greater good for their communities that they, you know, that they derive the benefit of success from. When I think, I think you all, it also just begs, it kind of begs the question because there's a lot of messaging kind of at the league and kind of management level, this kind of PSA, everyone is welcome. You know, that's kind of the message, right? Yeah. Is that true? Like, that's really the question. I mean, like, you know, again, we, we talked the other day about NASCAR and like, there's a lot of ex inclusivity sort of mouth, you know, spoken. And I think positive, I'm glad they're doing it at the kind of corporate NASCAR level, but on the ground, there's a lot of pushback and a lot of making people feel expressly unwelcome. Yeah. And so, you know, when you look at things like MLB um, or any of these leagues, they're about money. They're about expanding their audience and about, you know, basically getting more people to pay attention to them. So it's one thing to say, everyone is welcome. Here's a rainbow flag once a year, but are you actually creating a culture on the ground that is inclusive? I, I would, I would, I would, venture maybe not yeah and we've talked about like uh in the national hockey league uh and in their affiliate minor league programs um that there has been a movement towards you know catering on a marketing side to the lgbtq community um but then you had a number of players who refused to even for a warm-up uh for a game uh refused to wear the quote-unquote pride jerseys that were Mm -hmm. um, distributed to the players um, by some of them. Others have been totally cool with it. And frankly, I think it says a lot more about those who are uncomfortable with it than it does about the ones who are comfortable with it because those who are comfortable in even their heterosexuality, uh, they don't care. Right. And I I, I cannot remember the names of the two players that did it, but there was there were two players whenever this story first came about of the first one who refused to wear the uh, the pride colors, mm-hmm. and he claimed that it was because of his Christianity and because of his faith and yeah whatever. But there was another player on a different team that was perfect. I mean, just also perfectly. I mean, uh, he was a Christian and that was his beliefs of Christianity. But he still wore the he still wore the parade uh, jerseys or sweaters in maybe, NHL. Maybe he he was familiar with that line, "Judge not, lest ye be judged." <laughs> and so, I mean, that's you know, I think there's there's a difference of people who just hate, um, you know, queer people, and ones who, yeah, they can still have their Christian faith and they can still believe in God without any issues but it's not going to get to a point where they're just going to rip a rainbow a little rainbow patch off of their jersey 
yeah. or not wear them because that happened in that happened in Tampa Bay with the Tampa Bay Rays on their baseball team was there was five pitchers that took off the the rainbow patch from their hats this was a, I think this was last year they took the they took the rainbow patch off but they were the only five on the entire team that did it hmm. I mean you get this sense because they talk about you know their Christian faith whatever but you get the sense that there's just a certain type of and it's it's you know certain type of dude who thinks that if he puts on a rainbow his dick will fall off like it's literally the end of his masculinity i feel like <laughs> like it's not it's not it's it, it it's not just oh i go to church and i'm pious there's something weirder about it yeah because it's so virulent um and there's a lot of if you're really gonna go hard on i'm i'm a strict with the bible there's a lot of weird stuff in there that you're gonna have to do <laughs> um and so it doesn't make a lot of sense frankly it's really just bigotry well i can tell you that uh in baseball there's certainly a lot of that uh, christian divide uh i spent two seasons uh traveling home and away with the seattle mariners back in the early 1980s and they always had when we had to travel between cities on buses instead of planes there was always two buses, one for the Holy Rollers and one for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> with Chick Maxson and Richie Roy, I'm Johnny Mack. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the GBC Happy Hour. Our phone number is 760-677-0111 if you'd like to join us. that frown upside down it's the happy hour on gay bc so there is no crying in baseball but there is a lot of sturm und drang going on in the baseball world <laughs> um you know between the uh, sisters of perpetual indulgence what's going on with the Red Sox, what's going on with the Blue Jays. And um, so we are kind of talking about about what's happening in baseball in terms of the gay, the LGBTQ community, and just more broadly. Um, and so uh, if you would like to weigh in on any of this, uh, we would love to hear from you uh, if you are a sports fan. If you're not a sports fan at all, I uh, would love to hear from you about that too. The number is 760-677-0111. And uh, feel free to chime in on any of the topics we've talked about so far. So um, coming back from the break, um, yeah, um, you know, there, this, this topic does just seem to kind of perennially come up. Um, and, you know, baseball happens to be the sport that's currently going on. But um, I imagine we will see... Some similar stuff happening, uh, you know, as other sports come online during the rest of the year. Yeah, I I think it's uh, it is going to be uh, an ongoing issue, unfortunately, at the amateur and at the professional 
uh, and semi-professional levels because it's just so ingrained in American, well, globally masculine culture. And, you know, who wants to be the guy who has to come out, be in the locker room and deal with the harassment of their fellow teammates and all that. And even though the owners may say, you can't do these things, you have to behave, you have to be tolerant, the owners are not always in the clubhouse. And there are different sets of rules and and different things that are acceptable in different environments. And you know, I, I give a lot of credit. I think wasn't I think Billy Bean was the first uh, major league baseball player who came out, and there was a issue with uh, one of the umpires. Uh, unfortunately, his time was pretty much run out of baseball because he happened to umpire during an umpire strike at one point. So he was considered to have crossed the line and they had more reasons than just his being gay not to like him. So there has to be some point though, when people understand that somebody else's sexuality does not threaten them. You know, it's not a threat to them. I mean, the person, you know, plays on the same team, the People who are gay play on the same teams and and don't hit on them to begin with. What makes them think that when they're out, that would be any more prone to happening? Right. I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, to me, what it comes down to with sports in general, because I have I turn a pretty gimlet eye to sports. I was never a sports person, and I never have been. Um, but it's there is a lot of money in sports. Yeah. Sports is awash with money, and at the end of the day. There's lip service to be paid to the LGBTQ community to try to get their money, but and maybe to do the right thing. Uh, you know, I won't discount that. But at the same time, when push comes to shove, what they're really, they are not going to materially sanction or get rid of any player who's massively successful. Right. Um, because of the things they say, they will slap their hand. They will, ma- you know, force them to make a de minimis donation to some, you know, to the Trevor Project or something. But in terms of real consequences, we're not seeing it because there's too much money on the table. Yeah, I think that something that could be, or on that point, Richie, something that could be said is in the NBA with. Um, Tennessee Grizzlies player John Moran. I don't know if you've seen anything about what he's done in the last few months, um, but he has been constantly reprimanded by the NBA over his use of pretty much flashing guns at strip clubs, in a car, and, I mean, all kinds of other stuff. But mm-hmm. they haven't they haven't done anything to stop that aside from just suspending him from games right right well i think we're gonna um i think we're gonna see a lot more crap before things get a lot better it's interesting that you know i mean in professional women's sports soccer and basketball uh it's not uncommon for the majority of these teams to have lesbian uh, players mm-hmm. and and it's a whole different environment, but yet they're still ultimately overseen by the same, uh, you know, 
governing bodies as a lot of men's sports. So uh, yeah. I don't know. I just I don't have any tolerance for intolerance, and I do think that uh, one thing I'd like to do is I'd like to bring John Bolton uh, onto this program, not the one who, of course, is the right wing crazy. But uh, Mr. Bolton is the um, senior executive of the uh, American Hockey League uh, Club, and it's uh, the owner of the American Hockey League Club and the arena that we have here in the Coachella Valley. And uh, he is an openly gay man. And I'd like to talk to him about those kinds of issues in the world of sports with him. And we've talked also about having Sid Ziegler, who is the publisher of Outsports.com, uh, be a guest on this program. It'd be interesting to have a much broader discussion about, um, you know, uh, athletics and homosexuality, I think, with a couple of people who, you know, live in that environment day in and day out. Exactly. I mean, that'd be a great, that'd be a great thing to, to do. I think it's also interesting when you look at um, kind of coming out process in terms of um, athletes, that there is, I think you can draw a pretty bright line between team sports and individual sports. And the, I, there's so much more Richie, coming out that happens. You're breaking up pretty bad. We're going to ask you to just reconnect, uh, okay. reconnect to us uh, and come on back in here in just a second. But, um, uh, Chick, is there a reason why you uh, like some sports more than another in relation to this topic? Or um, does it have any factor in how you feel? I know you're not much of a fan of the National Football League. Um, I mean, I like baseball just because that was something that I kind of – I grew up with baseball. Yeah. And it was a – I did t-ball and little league baseball and stuff. Um, and I like, I mean, mostly I like motorsport more than any other kind of like real physical sport. Um, I don't like the NFL just because of, I mean, the way that they, the way that they pass off domestic violence and sexual abuse the yeah. most recent one being um oh my gosh what's his name uh he was playing for the since or he was playing for the uh for the cleveland browns uh, god i cannot think of his name that's all right but anyways he was guilty or he was charged with 26 counts of sexual assault at massage parlors <laughs> and and it's like they only gave him a six game suspension yeah that and, that seems ridiculous i mean somebody commits and, a felony like that and i understand that like in the in the mlb there are issues with i mean their steroid use and stuff like that i under i'm not it's not like the MLB is perfect. It's not like the NHL is perfect. It's not like the NBA is perfect. But the NFL that is so like so many people love the NFL. They are diehard fans, but then they look past others. Like I look, I mean, and yes, I look past 
as far as stuff that the that the Dodgers have done. I mean, the Dodgers, they're they're my favorite MLB team, but stuff that, I mean, their whole history in LA is awash with tragedy because of the 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 homes and the the people that they displaced that they made homeless at some point. Well, there's a lot right. more reason and, and to to not be a huge Dodgers fan, but um, most of them have to do with the fact that uh, people who are fans of anybody else need to take a back seat and think about their sins and become fans of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I'll just say that as a Mariners fan. Uh, we will continue this conversation, and I'm kidding, of course, with Chicks Maxson and Richie Roy as we continue with the GBC Happy Hour after a news update. Stay with us right here on GBC on Mutual. We'll be back with more. Happy Hour with Richie Roy, Chick Maxson, and Johnny Mac. These homosexuals are scheming for world domination. Good grief. What is it with every talk show host thinking they should run the planet? Anywho, back to the Gay BC Happy Hour. Well, hell, it'd be a lot, lot easier to keep us out of the kind of trouble we've had over the last six or seven years if we did run the planet. Instead of that uh, crazy guy who is now the twice indicted. I wish I had the script here for Nicole Wallace, who does the midday show on or mid afternoon show on MSNBC, because she always starts her program, uh, which I think is called Deadline White House, with uh, referring to the uh, twice impeached, you know, and then goes into other labels for him and it takes like about 30 seconds now to get the whole thing out of her mouth it's pretty funny uh she just wants to remind everybody that uh he is a loser he is a loser and you know what i found um this week on the occasion of his second indictment his first federal indictment was um i found a whole lot of interesting songs about our former president. Yeah, that, that was one of them. Um, uh, then there was another one that I think has become something of a, a popular song called uh, uh, Trump is on your side, which is uh, full of all sorts of um, 
things that show that they're being very tongue in cheek, and uh, and then there's even people who are posting their own songs, guys, on YouTube, uh, changing some lyrics, of course. But um, I tell you, this this takes passion. You better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why Donald Trump is going to jail Donald Trump is going to jail Donald Trump is going to jail They're drafting subpoenas, they're checking it twice They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice Donald Trump is going to jail uh, it would seem that way, but, you know, um, as I learned a long, long time ago, you can't count your chickens until they're hatched. And while some of them seem to be finally coming to fruition and hatching, what an interesting week this past week was. Yeah, it really was fascinating. Um, I have to say, as as a lawyer, <laughs> I really did enjoy reading the indictment, the actual document. Um, what a beautifully written thing. Um, it's so clear. It's so damning. Um, there's uh, no... I, I think that there's one other thing about it, too. And and I say that only because I really would encourage everybody uh, to download a copy of this thing and read it, is that it's really written for the layperson to read. Mm-hmm. I think it was very easy the way that they structured it. So you'd have to be, um, you'd really have to be pretty dumb to not get it by the time you got to the end of it. Well, that's what I loved about it um, is because so much legal writing is so dense and so confusing. And this was, it was just laid out. It was just spoon fed to you and, and every possible kind of, you know, uh, defense was kind of pre-dealt with, you know, just um, with all the text messages and surveillance cameras and interviews and lawyer notes. And just it just is this sort of bulletproof, amazing indictment. It's just it really um, you come away from it just being like, wow, yeah. um, the, the extent to which, again, it's not the having of the documents, which is, you know, uh, you know, because there, there's a lot of whataboutism going on on the right with, oh, well, Biden had some documents and, you know, um, even uh, Pence had some documents, but they found them and they gave them back. It's the cover up. It's the the amazing sort of Keystone Cops level cover up that they were engaged in and literally moving banker boxes into showers and onto stages. It's just, it's remarkable. It's almost, it's actually very funny. It's actually a very funny document to read because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's certainly like nothing we've ever seen before. I, I mean, it, it's everything I've believed all along because actually paying attention to legitimate media as many people in this country have. And so it's nothing about it is a surprise. We've been getting the buildup for months and years, but the payoff pitch finally came. And when the special counsel, Jack Smith, issued this indictment, 
he hit it out of the park. It was a grand slam home run. And they're not out of the woods yet because, of course, the randomness of how the trials are uh, delved out to the judges who are going to hear these cases, it's completely random, but somehow in its randomness, it managed to make its way into the hands of Aileen Cannon, who was very suspicious in rulings that she made in Mr. Trump's favor and was overruled on by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals twice earlier in his uh, legal wranglings. So that will be an interesting thing to see what what comes about now. And the Department of Justice has a variety of things that they're going to be able to uh, do to try and work around that. But it, you know, they do also want it to not appear as though there's anything, uh, you know, stacked against Mr. Trump other than the charges and the facts of the case, <laughs> because they are charging him in Florida where it will be much more friendly to him uh, by Correct. a jury of his peers there than if it were to happen in Washington, D.C. or in New York City. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think in a way having it before canon is kind of the best possible scenario because it does take away that very easy sort of actually very stupid but easy talking point like, oh, well, the judge was was rigged against me, yeah. you know, Trump would say. Yeah. So that's out of the picture. In general, though, this this idea that, oh, New York juries or D.C. juries are junk. I mean, if you've ever gone through the, the voir dire process, that just is silly. I mean, I just... Well, you can't forget the, the fact that even though um, Florida is very friendly towards Trump and, and overwhelmingly voted for him twice for president, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that Mr. Trump had... Uh, he was, in fact, uh, indicted by the actions of a grand jury. Right. And that grand jury was in Florida. And, right. And those people, again, uh, a grand jury of his peers, uh, they were down with those 37 counts of, uh, against him and an extra one in there for his co-defendant, the Navy valet, who basically was his boy Friday and moving around all the boxes, including lots of uh, uh, defense secrets and so on that were stored in the shower. That I thought was funny. Right. Yes. The 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 um you you can't come up with these and these na- this name sounds like it's like a Kurt Vonnegut character, Walt Nauta. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect. I just love the name. But um uh yeah no it's it's very much um you know you could argue. It's not a jury of Trump's peers because um, Trump's peers would be a bunch of um, mafia dons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if there are enough of those in South Florida to uh, to populate a jury. But no, it's um, it's been it's been quite a week. And uh, again, I just I, I, I agree with you, Johnny. Um, people should read the actual document. It's, it's easy to read and it lays the case out beautifully and actually in much, much less of an obfuscatory way than like if you listen to people interpreting it, whether on the right or the left, the best thing to do is just read the thing itself because it's really right down the middle. It's, it's a really good document. Yeah. 
I, I almost, I kind of thought that we were never going to get to this day, though. I mean, I was hopeful, but I really was starting to lose faith that they would not run out of time yet again. And and fortunately, um, I think that that also played a factor in why they went with this particular case before the uh, one that they are going to have coming out of a Washington grand jury against the pres- former president because they have the ability to fast-track things in Florida, and it will be a speedier trial there than if it were in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And, and the clock is ticking. I mean, it's unbelievable to me that we even have laws that allow somebody to serve as our president and be able to serve while they are in uh, jail, you know, while they're incarcerated. And, I mean, obviously these are laws that our Congress needs to fix as soon as it's not, you know, upside down on its head. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because they could have they could have chosen to put more fetters on who can be president. And you almost wonder, like, were they were they anticipating and like not that this is the situation at all here, but um, like if they're. If someone were being imprisoned, you know, as a political prisoner, that the Constitution still would allow them to theoretically, technically become president mm-hmm. um, in a way that in some countries, you know, I feel like uh, there is imprisonment of of minority uh, political figures to basically try to silence them and make them ineligible to be politically viable. So uh, it's an interesting question. And actually, I haven't looked into it like I would. It would be a fun dive because I'm sure that if you look at the you know Federalist Papers or something, there was discussion about whether or not to disqualify people for, let's say, being a felon. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's nothing in the Constitution. It's basically th- natural-born citizen, 35 years old. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing I think that's kind of interesting. I think that he, if he is convicted, he should um, lose his. Uh, benefits of having been a former president. I do not think that he should be entitled to have 24-7 protective service from the Secret Service while he is serving his sentence. I mean, talk about cruel and unusual punishment. Who'd want to be on that assignment? Oh, can you imagine? For the Secret Service. Yeah. Awful, I know. (laughs) What are they going to do? Sit there and play spades with him? (laughs) No, with him it would probably be go fish. Well, I was, you know, I was honestly, I bet you he doesn't even know how to play a, a game of cards. He seems like someone so intellectually incurious that he's never even played a game of Go Fish. Yeah. He'd probably just be happy to be given, like, a, you know, a pad of paper and a Sharpie. He could sit there and draw weather maps in, in the southeast. No, they'll just give him a stack of, of headshots of himself and a Sharpie so he can just sign them. It, yeah. irrespective of who actually gets them just um just seeing his picture and putting his signature on them i think would make him very happy he, he could collect his nft cards oh god i oh, forgot yeah. about the nft god, card <laughs> probably line his wall of his cell with them i think it's also interesting that they're going to be able to try him together with um mr nauta because uh you know, one of the things you want to show is that, th- I mean, this is a perfect way to show that it doesn't matter who you are, that the law is equal 
in terms of its application to all. I mean, here's a guy who threw uh, a really good life away. Mm-hmm. This guy who was in the Navy had, you know, worked at the White House as a valet, would eventually become um, the president's personal assistant, and, you know, and then gets duped into being the guy who's moving all the boxes around and having to lie to the FBI. And, right. you know, and, and now he's looking just like Trump at dozens and dozens and dozens of years behind bars if they were to convict convict on all the counts and if they were to run any of the sentences uh you know uh not concurrently but you know one after the other and and the thing is even though it'll be laughable and and obviously not reflective of reality you know donald trump will do everything if he possibly gets the opportunity to at any chance he will try to pin throw nauta under the bus and basically be like oh i have no idea why this guy was moving stuff here and there i never said anything yeah except Um, unfortunately for him there's no tape and and text and so on but he will try he will try if he can if he can sell out someone whoever no matter how loyal they've been to him for how long if he gets a chance to sell someone out he will do it just out of fun out of sport that's his hobby totally agree well uh i think finally he's going to for the first time in his life really understand that he is just like everybody else yep i'm johnny mack i'm richie roy and we've got chick max in here we'll be back shortly The drinks are half price, the snacks are complimentary, and the hosts just won't shut up. Welcome back to the happy hour. (laughs) Hope you're enjoying it so far. This is the first inaugural uh, episode of the happy hour and um, hope you're enjoying it. The plan is that we will be doing these each week. We will be covering cultural, uh, cultural topics, current events building community and doing all things lgbtq and so if you'd like to call in and weigh in on any of the topics we've talked about so far today the number is 760-677-0111 and we'd love to hear from you um but in the meantime uh you know one of the things we were talking before the break about um the trump indictment um and this kind of actually dovetails with um the whole issue with Target and and pulling back the Pride uh, products is there's a lot of talk on the right about fomenting violence based on the indictment um, from the MAGA folks. What do we do with um, a sort of violent, violent, you know, a small but violent minority of people who are who are allergic to living in a 
in a peaceful, law-abiding world. And especially since we're in pride season right now and the LGBTQ element of the community that is so loathed by so many of these people who are the megas that that puts us out on front street and vulnerable to these threats and potentially to attacks. And I think that has a lot of people scared around the country. And I think that cities that have traditionally had pride events are really um, thinking long and hard about uh, if they're going to have events still this year, what what they're doing uh, in terms of putting uh, preventative forces in place to make sure that the mayhem uh, stays at a minimum. I mean, from my perspective, I it's it's a really tough question because you do want people to be safe, but you also you know there's that classic phrase you don't you don't bargain with terrorists, and if if these kind of like saber rattling threats are enough to cancel pride that's they've won it's like they kind of win either way and that's kind of a really bad place to be in yeah and i remember when i lived in seattle many years ago that we had constantly to be concerned about threats or going to be carried out on lgbt establishments like nightclubs uh, because of the proximity of the uh, pardon me, the neo-Nazis from Hayden Lake, which is over in the Coeur d'Alene, uh, Idaho area, just, you know, five, five and a half hours east of Seattle. And, uh, you know, same thing. They wanted people to feel terrorized and not go to those clubs and not hang out with one another. Um, right. You know, there are real threats to our community. Some of them come from within. And we're going to talk about that a little uh, later on in this hour as well. Um, I just learned actually uh, in the last 24 hours that um, we actually have had a gay serial killer here in the greater Palm Springs area for a while. And uh, but, you know, when there are these groups that are motivated by, you know, by just these solid uh, uh, feelings of hatred towards anybody who is any different than themselves and who feels that we have threatened the ongoing presence of somebody like a Donald J. Trump in control of the United States of America, they feel that they are righteous in taking up arms and doing anything to hurt or to stop people who are uh, against are having that kind of extremism in this country. So, you know, this is a particularly sensitive summer to be paying attention for these things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just actually, you know, looking at an article and, you know, to go back to kind of the, the stoking of potential violence um, that Trump in a, in a speech on Saturday talked about the indictments um, as quote, a final battle with corrupt forces that are destroying the country. That's the kind of rhetoric, final battle, that feels very um, very fraught um, and very likely to result in violence. So um, it is really, it's really a chilling moment. Um, you know, and the idea that, that just the, um, 
the procedures of justice are also being so politicized. You know, so you see articles like I'll see op-eds even in um, normal papers like the New York Times or something um, saying like, you know, these the existence of these indictments, you know, is uh, is a grave threat to our constitutional democracy. It's well, no, it's just it's just he's a criminal. He's he's a charged criminal or indicted criminal. Just get used to it. Like we have to do this. But yep. um in any case, <laughs> we will uh be back uh shortly and uh we will continue the happy hour on GBC. think these guys aren't interesting enough without you joining the show you're probably right 760-677-0111 that's 760-677-0111 operators are standing by right now probably And welcome back to the happy hour. <laughs> I'm here with our host, Johnny Mack and Chick Maxson. I think we might be having a little bit of technical difficulties with Chick, but we will try to get him back on as soon as possible. But how's it going so far, Johnny? Good. Except for Excellent. the fact that uh, our friend Chick has managed to disappear in the Lone Star State. <laughs> so if you see him, well. <clears throat> please call the police and tell them to have him pointed back in our direction. We'll put out an APB, yes. (laughs) So in addition to the Trump indictment, um, the the other piece of news that has um, been taking over, not just this week, but for the past couple of weeks, um, is for for those of you listening, um, uh, if you don't know already, the Kylie Minogue song, Padam Padam, has eaten the brains of the gays. Um, <laughs> Johnny, have you heard the song? I have not. And the only reason I even know anything about it is because the other day I went on um, uh, Instagram and I saw some guy uh, doing a video with kind of man-on-the-street interviews with people. And <laughs> he said something about Padam. And I'm like, what the F is that? And, uh, and that basically was like other people were, he, the guy who was doing the interviews, he didn't know what it was either. And these guys were like, you just ask anybody and they'll know. And so the next person that came up, he said uh, to that person, what is Padam? And he said, Kylie Minogue. And so he was like, oh God, I guess I'm the only one who doesn't know. And I was thinking to myself, no kid, you're, you're fine. Um, (laughs) I don't keep up with these things. Especially from artists that I don't have any appreciation of. From what? Artists that artists? I don't appreciate. Oh, you're not a fan of Kylie. Okay. Right. All why, right. Why would I be? I'm almost 60 years old. 
<laughs> You're waiting for the Tony Bennett cover of Padam Padam. <laughs> well, I'd settle for the Katie Lang. Oh, there we go. Um, no, I was just joking. But um, no, so it, it is funny because I it's driving me a little crazy. I like the song. It's a fine song. Don't get me wrong. It's a it's a nice summer, you know, electronic beat, you know, dancey song. But the extent to which it, I mean, people are just, um, the, I, I'm just seeing people just respond to, you know, a picture on Instagram and just respond, padam. Um, it's become this kind of just cat, this, this wildfire catchphrase. And it I, just feels a little silly. Can I ask a question? Sure. Why? Why? Why this song? Yeah. Why? Why does anybody care? Like, how does this happen? I, I think this is part of the problem. Kids are so basic today that something like a word "padam" becomes part of the English lexicon in in a significant way. Like this. I mean, you know, this is this is me being Mister Wilson telling kids to get off of his lawn. <laughs> gaze get off of my lawn with your white claws yeah <laughs> no um i because i kind of i i was t i was messaging with a with a friend and i was like can you explain to me why padam has become a personality because i get that it's a song but like what is a padam what what's the meaning of padam padam yeah so from what I, I, I read about this, actually, I, I did do some deep dive into the song. Um, Padam Padam. Padam is meant to be kind of an onomatopoeic um, sound of a heart beating. Like Padam, 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 Padam. You know, like that. So it's the sound of a heart beating is, a pada, is Padam. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, but it did bring up kind of, uh, a general thing, which is, I feel like each year there is kind of like a song that captures the imagination of the summer, especially amongst the gays. And, um, you know, I guess I would ask you, uh, Johnny, um, it doesn't have to be a current song, but what is, what would be, what's a summer song for you? Uh, Let's see. Uh, can I answer with a song? Sure. Do you remember this one? Hang on. Let's let's get to the first chorus of it. Yeah. War of Lowrider fame, right? Yep. Sounds kind of like summer, right? I can see that. Yeah. Got your eight-track player going. As one does, yeah. This has a very kind of like a get like gas crisis era kind of vibe to it yeah exactly wishing that nixon was dead <laughs> so that's a good one i like that 
I mean, it directly says summertime is here, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it's Love called, it. It's called Summer by War. Okay. that's a, See, that's a good one. For me, because um, I was in a in a kind of a chat group and, and we were chatting about different sort of music topics and someone asked the perfect beach song. Oh. And I think that kind of dovetails with Summer. Um, for me, it was the song by Bananarama, Cruel Summer. Hmm. Do you know this song? Yeah. I don't have it right in front of me, but yeah. Uh, because for me, it's literally the smell of like coconut sunscreen, a freshly opened Diet Coke, you know, <laughs> um, well, I'm just glad and that, pool water. I'm just glad that you didn't uh, come out with something like, uh, you know, off the playlist of, of Sirius XM's Yacht Rock channel. You know, I, I do like Yacht Rock. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I do. I mean, I love, you know, Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan and um, all that smooth, the smooth sounds. Yeah, yes. I do too. But, but, <laughs> but no, for me, for me, that Cruel Summer is just kind of like this effervescent. I mean, it just, it sounds like, it, it just sounds like Diet Coke <laughs> in the best possible way. So that to me is kind of like an, it is a, um, an everlasting summer song. If anyone has a summer song, whether current or historic, that they would like to throw out there, again, the number seven six zero six seven seven zero one one one. 677 would love to hear what your summer songs are. For sure. And it's 41 after the hour. Thanks for being along with us. Our buddy Chick Maxson has uh, vanished into the technical sunset and uh, hopefully we'll hear back from him at uh, at some point here. But we'd love to hear from you, and you can do that, just as Richie said, by uh, picking up the horn and giving us a shout at 760-677-0111. What else did you do with your week? I, I thought that I heard something about uh, it was the uh, closing show of the season for the uh, – opera in new york did did you actually go to the opera this weekend i did i went to the opera yesterday um i saw the flying dutchman which is a wagner opera um and it it sounded like the last guy i had sex with him in in amsterdam (laughs) oh see i mean that might have been more fun than what i went to go see i i was um, only because he had a trapeze in his bedroom well, that's kind of what I was imagining. I like that. Yeah. Kind of a, a Cirque du Soleil. Yes. yes. Cirque du Soleil. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, it was good. It was, um, I've been texting with some other folks I know who have seen it. Um, it was, the, the music was great. The orchestra was beautiful. The staging was a little drab for me. I have to say like, I'm a little not old fashioned, but I like I like some color. I like some scenery, um, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much drab and gray. Um, but you know, it was, it was a fun time. Um, but you know, now it, it's the end of the opera season, so now I'm going to have to um, make do with trips to the beach and other summer type of uh, 
activities. And you're starting that off, as you mentioned, in our first hour of the show by going to Pride in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. That's right. And it's going to be my first, I mean, which is a little bit funny. Um, I think it's, I'm going to say it's my first official kind of doing Pride situation. Ever? Because I've... I've gone to Pride in terms of I've gone to many Pride parades in the city and Queens, um, you know, here and there, Boston or whatever back in the day. Um, but going to kind of doing the all of the ancillary, the parties, the gatherings, all the stuff that leads up to and comes after the actual parade, I've never really done before. Yeah. I've actually been to Toronto, uh, Toronto for Pride before. Oh, no way. Yeah. Well, you know, during those years that we were doing the serious out-cue thing uh, on satellite radio, the LGBT station, um, we would divvy up all these different cities around uh, North America and go to these different events. Eventually, I got tired of doing the Prides, and so I started getting sent to all of the things like the bear runs, you know, because they mm-hmm. thought that I had an appropriate amount of gur in me. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, so I didn't have to go do all the, the pride circuit anymore, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, Toronto, uh, is a huge city and has a great LGBTQ population and you're going to have a fun time up there. I'm excited about it. I have to say the one thing that I'm trepidatious about is, um, what kind of little bits and bobs of clothing to bring with me. <laughs> well, it is Toronto, so bring some bobs. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Actually, okay. I, I yeah. have a friend who's staying at the uh, uh, Weston Harbor uh, Hotel up there this past week for an event, and uh, it brought back some memories because um, not the last time I was there, but actually the first time I went to Toronto – I actually stayed in that property, and I remember it so distinctly because it was the day that I checked in was the day that Princess Diana was killed. And I remember getting to my room and turning on the TV and watching the news, and the alert for that came up, uh, you know, that afternoon. And I ended up sitting there the rest of the night just staring at the TV kind of disbelievingly. But, yeah. So when we come back, uh, I'd like to talk about this sociopathic sexual predator that apparently has been on the loose in Palm Springs, California, which of course is a major international gay destination. So we'll discuss that and more as we continue with the GBC Happy Hour. For Chick Maxson and Richie Roy, I'm Johnny Mack. Stay with us. Once a week, but the happy hour is always available on demand as a podcast wherever you prefer to get them. The hosts will tell you where, if you ask nicely. 
I don't know. Should we tell them, Richie? What? Where they can find the podcast. Oh, well, I mean, they didn't. no one's asked, but they can find it in a lot of places. Yeah, for sure. Uh, among them, uh, we are pleased to be on most of the major podcast platforms. So you can find us at Apple Podcasts, at Google Podcasts. So that pretty much clears you if you're on either an Android or an iOS phone. Um, we also can be found at Spotify and Stitcher and TuneIn and Captivate.fm uh, and Amazon Music. So um, you'll find us in all those places. You can also find a direct link that will appear within hours of the completion of each live broadcast on our homepage at gaybc.com. G-A-Y-B-C.com. Be sure to tell your friends uh, that if they're not listening live, that we're live every Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 to 3 Central, noon to 2 Mountain, or 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific and Arizona time during the summer. And uh, there's lots of ways to hear us. So uh, we'd love to have you with us if you are catching us as part of a podcast uh, you can also listen in live and participate in real time. Uh, we're also going to have a way for you to uh, stay in touch with us on our social media. Um, at GBC Radio is our Twitter handle, and we also will be uh, offering a Instagram and Facebook uh, uh, portal for you to use as well. Uh, stay tuned because there's going to be opportunities to participate in content that we will have from throughout uh, each week that will be um, on the social media platforms. We'll be asking you to call in and to leave messages about things that you might care about that we can then uh, utilize your voice and have you sound off about a number of topics. That's all coming your way soon. I was very, very concerned when I heard about there being a dating app predator, a gay one no less, right here in my hometown of Palm Springs, California. And apparently this has been going on for a little while. The uh, police just recently arrested a man by the name of Hakan Isaac. Uh, and he, this was the result of their doing a criminal investigation after a complaint was filed um, back in January by a what is being identified as a very brave uh, victim of a sexual assault, uh, a guy by the name of Rand Snell, who apparently was visiting Palm Springs, as many thousands and thousands of people do each year. Um, he had come to visit from Florida, and lo and behold, he probably was thinking, Jesus, I'd have been safer staying in the land of Ron DeSantis than going to the gay mecca of Palm Springs. But uh, Mr. Isaac is 56 years old, and he is accused of having uh, committed such crimes as penetration with a foreign object, sodomy, elder abuse, false imprisonment, and administering a drug to commit a felony. Apparently, he injected a drug up the ass of some of his victims. 
And once this started making the rounds in social media and in the news on television and in papers, um, a number of other others of his who were victims have come forward. I hear that there may be as many at this point in time as 15, which is, I think the official number with the police department at the moment is six, but that is a lot of mayhem. Yeah, that's intense. I mean, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of wish that we had um, queued up a very um, doleful um, true crime sound little sound bed for you with all of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's really scary stuff. Um, and um, it sounds like so it was it was this. I assume someone who met people through the apps. Yeah, apparently uh, this happened uh, as a result of people who um, got together with him through Grinder. And got it. You know, yeah, this is one of the things you have to be careful about, folks, when you um, are using these hookup apps. I mean, I would always, always, always recommend that at the very least people meet. Um, people in public at a public venue, a, a coffee shop or a bar, a restaurant, something like that before ever hooking up with somebody. Um, of course, that doesn't mean that awful things like what have allegedly happened to these victims won't happen to somebody. But, you know, uh, apparently there seems to be a number of people in the community who had become aware of his history. I was uh, interested in reading some of the uh, things that were on Mr. Isaac's uh, Facebook page earlier today, which is still published openly to the world. I'm surprised that the people at Facebook actually haven't shut it down uh, with him accused of such uh, horrible things. But there are other people who apparently knew him from the West Hollywood community and that he has a past history, allegedly, of... Um, uh, stalking people and mm. um, creating other havoc in people's lives. And so uh, just really important, and especially if you're going to hook up with somebody you don't know, you know, that you tell a friend where you're going or who you're going to be with or whatever, and, and that if you don't, you know, call them by a certain time or whatever, text them that... Um, you know, to assume that there might have been a problem. I mean, yes, this is only one person, but there's a lot of nefarious people out there and using these apps. And, you know, I mean, God bless the apps for being able to, you know, connect people with one another. But but seriously, I mean, this could have cost people their lives. And I understand right. that there are some people that are being investigated uh, or some uh situations that are being investigated about this perpetrator, alleged perpetrator, um, that may actually have involved homicide as well. So mm. um, police still have him under investigation while he's locked up in the Riverside County jail system. Wow. Sad. Well, it is it is creepy and uh, definitely worth keeping, you know, you know, like you said, sort of keeping your wits about you as you traverse the world of gay dating and hookups. Um, 
But, um, you know, as we kind of close in on the end of the first episode of the happy hour, want to uh, thank everyone who's listening. Um, and to those future listeners on the podcast, I hope you enjoyed the episode so far. Um, and we will be doing this uh, once a week um, on Sundays. Uh, you know, we might, depending on how people feel about it, we might even pick some other days up. But, um, but yeah, we will definitely be doing these on Sundays. And unfortunately, Richie just disconnected. Uh, another little technical glitch there, but uh, we will um, hopefully have more of our bugs worked out as time goes on, <laughs> and we'll have uh, yep. we'll have our uh, friend Chick Maxson back with us. We hope very soon as well. Um, Richie, I want to thank you for um, you know for really conceiving the idea to to do more with the brand that you created in the Twitter spaces, the Happy Hour brand, which has gotten into all sorts of interesting conversations on so many different facets of life that we live as LGBT people and is just anybody in our society today. So it's cool to be able to have this interactive forum that people can call in and participate with us. And in the future, one of the things that we will have is uh, recurring and uh, special guests who will join us on the programs that there's people you think that we should be talking to because they have something special to to share well all of our email addresses are available on the gaybc.com website and you can go there and uh, send a message either to myself or to richie or to chick max and we will look forward to that absolutely you so, have yeah, to you have um, to quit cutting out my friend I know. <laughs> it's sadly, um, it is the the price I pay for living out in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York. But um, we will we will work on that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, um, stay tuned. Uh, we've got a lot of great stuff that's going to be coming your way in the weeks and months ahead, and we'll have a lot of fun with that, as I'm sure you will as well and uh, keep an eye out for our other social media posts again at gbc radio on twitter thanks folks talk to you soon For Chicken Richie, I am Johnny Mac. May your shadow fall in pleasant places today. Mm-hmm.